What's up, y'all? This is wide receiver Deontay Simpson. This is cornerback Cam Johnson. Cornerback Deshaun Getty Jr. Senior forward Zachary Simmons, and you're listening to Bruins Breakdown, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni, and with me, as usual, is Colin Mitchell. Colin, how are you doing on this Sunday morning? You know, it's beautiful weather outside. Um, that's really all I got, but how are you doing? I'm doing I'm doing really well, you know. I uh, got some really good sleep. You don't sound too well. You f- sound very somber. Oh. You don't have your normal energy. Oh, I have my energy. Don't worry. Oh, it's, you're, you're, it's pent up. The thing is this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, no, like you, you know, I got some good sleep. I was, you know, at home after I rode and just, you know, got got to sleep at a decent hour. I think it was about two or so. It's pretty decent. Woke up at nine, seven hours of sleep. You can't complain. Mm-mm. I come in here today and I have so many thoughts running through my mind. You know, we have a lot of questions to get to. We have a lot of topics to discuss. Um, I don't think it'll be that long of a podcast, but... Um, Unlike North Texas, you know, we will show up and deliver because that's what we do on a week to week basis. Um, oh, my. So we're off to a great start. All right. What how are we opening this up, Bernie? Uh, we we are opening up the same way we open every podcast up after we talk for like two minutes. Oh, I forget. Yes. Sorry. We are doing our been two recap, Colin. How um, long is the recap? Just so everyone it's knows. As long as. Okay. It's as many seconds as North Texas scores points. Yes. I phrased that right? I phrased it somewhat right. Whatever it is. 31. 31. North Texas lost to Southern Miss. 31-41. Okay. Did you start it? No. Don't start it. Okay. I was like, I was not ready. Please. Okay. So 31 seconds to recap this entire mess of a game. Don't really know how I'm going to do it. I'm going to leave off a lot of stuff, but whatever. It's not when you're ready. I'm 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 ready. I think. Okay, three, two, one. So North Texas lost by ten to Southern Miss, uh, forty-one to thirty-one at home. It was their third straight home game. Uh, Southern Miss coming off of three straight losses. Southern Miss starts off the game with um, going down three-zero and then scores seventeen straight to take a seventeen to three lead, like halfway through the first quarter. Um, as the game wore on, Jack Abraham got comfortable. Austin Ani played the entire game for North Texas at quarterback. Uh, DeAndre Torrey and Trey Siggers were the one-two punch. Both teams were without like 20 players, but like probably eight to 10 key players, really. Um, Southern Miss wore down North Texas defense with the run game. That quick? Yep. That quick? Also, you probably just busted the eardrums of like half of our audience. No, it wasn't that loud. But uh, it's okay. That's okay. It wasn't loud. That's okay. Um, Wow, I did not expect it to go that quickly. I'm pretty sure last week's was shorter. No, last week's was shorter. Last week's was 36 something it was in the high 30s oh, you, I thought. you needed that extra six seconds it was something that was crazy okay well i think i covered i think i covered some of it i didn't cover okay i didn't cover a lot basically what i missed there um and giving y'all the general overview was the fact that north texas had a calamity of errors and they were completely awful and undisciplined wow could you you want to add any more adjectives? I'll give you context. No, no, no. I'll give oh, okay. you context. I'll give you context. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. Let me see if I can find it. All right. There were two fumbles from Austinani. There was a blocked field goal to end the first half. There was an allowed... They allowed a pooch kickoff to be recovered in 
the first half. I believe it was the, was the, first, it the first kick, kick of the game. It was the first. Or the first their first kickoff of the game. Yeah, they recover it. They go down, score again to go up fourteen to three. North Texas failed on a fourth and one at the eleven yard line, which I think they got. But who am I again? Um, they had a forced fumble in the second half. I believe it was the third quarter, right? Yes, third quarter. Uh, where I believe Frank Gore gets the ball stripped by Upton Stoughton. It's a no, fumble. No, second quarter. Was I, was second up, quarter? I was up in the box. Okay, second quarter. Um, they review it. They say it's not a fumble. Not sure how. Whatever. Um, North Texas. Oh, there was another. Gosh, dang it. There was another one. North Texas finally gets an interception. Mikhail Sanders. Um, what was it? I had in my I had in my in my uh, recap. Let me see if I can find it because I included all the mistakes in there. I mean, even if you just ended it there, I think that was the first half alone. Yeah. <laughs> like, it is incredible how much went wrong. Oh, here we go. In the third quarter, third or fourth quarter, I believe. Well, yes, it was the second half at some point. Southern Miss punts the ball off. It hits, I believe, I don't know who it was exactly. It was someone with an 80s number. Um, 82 or 84, I believe, it hit. Jalen Darden sees it, tries to go recover it. Southern Miss recovers it. Yeah, it was the fourth quarter. Yeah. I it, it was just time after time after time where North Texas was just embarrassingly incompetent. And that's the I'm not going to I'm not going to rant here. I'm not going to go crazy on this because um I'm truly in awe. <laughs> I think that that's all I can say is that I'm truly funny. in awe of of what we witnessed there in that there's no way in my wildest dreams, really, that I could have imagined that much going wrong for North Texas. In a what you called a must-win game. Oh, it was a must-win game. And I said on our pregame show, we our two-minute two breakdown of the game beforehand, I said this is a must-win game because Southern Miss is so depleted. Um because there's going to be a lot of teams on the schedule that are better than Southern Miss. To be fair, there are also pretty bad teams on the schedule still, even though um, Southern Miss is not a good team by any means. And I thought that North Texas would at least come with some fire coming off a of bye week. You know, you, you've you played this team several times, played Jack Abraham several times. You get Katie Davis back. You have... Oh. So... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I opened up. <laughs> you... Obviously, both teams were down a lot of players. Yes. Right? We don't have to go through this. We Everybody knows this. Oscar Adaway, Keelan Crosby, Tyreek Davis, Kyla Powell, Evan Johnson, Larry Nixon, Kevin Wood. Um, Murphy Brothers. M- Murphy Brothers um, were not practicing from what I was told. Uh, we didn't see any Taylor Jacobs, who I was told was practicing. I don't know what his deal is. Those are all retro freshman linebackers who we presume should be in the mix to play at least. We don't, uh, so we don't know what all their status is. Both teams are probably down 20 players. If you go back and look, Southern Miss also was without those seven players that opted out before Tim, the season. And they don't have Tim Jones. Tim Jones was out his second straight game, who we saw against Louisiana Tech, was their best receiver by far. Yes. Um. So it's not like Southern Miss was sitting here all pretty while North Texas was limping into the game. It was not that at all. Yeah. Southern Miss... Like I said, without those players who opted out before the season were some of their best players. Jaquez Turner, Rachim Booth, like you said, Tim Jones was out. And there were several other players that we don't even know about. Like like just like Southern Miss doesn't know about um Kevin, Kevin Wood, Wood being out. Right. We don't know about maybe their backup linebacker being out. It's the same exact thing. Both teams were down. 
we knew it was going to be a hard-fought game. But I thought, I really believed North Texas would win by a small margin. I did not expect North Texas to come in here and win by a large margin. I didn't expect North Texas to come in here and even look that good. I, I have lowered my standards to the point where I was hoping North Texas could beat a Southern Miss team without so many players. Yeah. And I just continue to harp on. I didn't even bring it up last after last game, the, the SMU game where the linebackers were out and people were starting to, they didn't make it ex, an excuse, but you know, it started circling. Oh, well let's see what the defense is when they get their players back. No team is going to be at full strength this season, pretty much like no team in the FBS really. So to expect a team to be like, Oh, well, to just say that, oh, we'll see what this team is when they get their full strength back is just kind of lunacy, I guess, at this point. Yeah. It's not it's not real. It's not gonna happen. With that being said, I think it just comes back to what I wrote in my cider is that it's just kind of a culture thing at this point. I feel like Southern Miss is just kind of that team that every single year knows they're gonna be good, is delivering on Time and time again, they can plug in Frank Gore Jr., true freshman at running back, and he rushes for 130 yards. Jack Abraham doesn't even have to have that good of a game, and it doesn't matter who his receivers are. They're going to be fine. They don't turn the ball over that much. They do what they have to do on the defensive side of the ball, with even without those star guys. And North Texas just doesn't have that identity. And that's why I wrote in my cider, and if y'all want to go check that out, it's on Green 24-7. Shameless plug. North Texas, for as much talent as they had, and they had the talent this game. They had their entire offense, basically. Think about it. Oscar Otterway was their only absence on yep. the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Still just felt overmatched. And it just felt like a game that North Texas was just in over its head. And it should not have felt that way by any stretch of the imagination. So those are all of the basic thoughts I had running around in my head. Um, Colin, I you can start us off with wherever you want to start us off with. What what was I guess the most concerning part to you in in the loss? Most concerning part to me is that the defense was keeping them in the game. And if I have to say that at any point this season, there's an issue already. Uh, I mean, they were down seventeen to three in the first five minutes of the first quarter, and I looked up and I was like, oh my, like what? Yeah. <laughs> and the fact, and you tweeted this. You said the defense is keeping them in the game, and it's true. They had so many opportunities with Ani. I don't know where the arrow was. You can tell me because yes. you were in the box. But so many open receivers on deep balls didn't hit, drop passes, runs that go nowhere. I mean, it was just time and time again. Like you said, they have all the talent, but they couldn't do anything with it. The I guess the only other uh, uh, scratch would have been uh, Jair Shorter because he got injured in like, the second play yes. of the game. I did not mention that. But you have to do something when you have everybody because then when you have a Jair shorter come down god forbid you know Jalen Darden goes down or you have Trey Siggers go down again what is this team then are they even going to be able to put up points against a completely depleted team like Southern Miss yeah and North, like I said the offense is the unit that had everybody pretty much going into the game and the defense was the depleted unit they go yeah. down the linebackers they didn't have four linebackers yep. there and somehow the defense was able early on to kind of keep to hold the rope basically in the first half and gave them a chance to be within a touchdown at halftime if the field goal doesn't get blocked if they and if they make the field goal there it's 20 to 13 at halftime 
very different game. And so I think in the first half, you have to look at that game and be like, the defense gave you every opportunity to not be down by two scores. Yep. Instead, you're down 20 to 10, second half starts, and Southern Miss breaks, uh, or not breaks, but uh, that's when the tight end kind of got loose in the back and just was wide open. Or I think it was Brownlee, actually. Yeah, it was Brownlee, Jason Brownlee. And it, at some point, the defense had to have just been like, guys, y'all are the healthier group. Y'all are the group that is intact. You have Austin Ani at quarterback. There's no quarterback competition. We'll get to that in a second. Like, he's has the entire he has the reins right now you have trey sigers back healthy deandre tory jalen darden's still going crazy out here deontay simpson's having the in my opinion the best game of his career yep where why are we not able to put points right. up on the what's board? going wrong yeah what is going wrong as a defensive player it had to have been depressing to be like and and then the special teams again again allows the pooch kickoff to be recovered and so then you're backed up again and they score and it's just like you're down 14 points, and yes, the first drive was not good defensively, but after that, yeah, they, not much they, you they can got do. three points after that. There's not after the after after, after it went 17 to three five yes. minutes in the first quarter. Yes. They got three points the rest of the half. and that was yeah, the rest of the half. Yeah, so first half, I think you have to give all credit to the defense. Second half, it was a little different, and we'll get into that later. I do want to start with the offense, though. I want to start with Austin Ani. Your boy. Ani Bots. Your boy. Need like a cheer. Your boy. I told you before the game I thought they were going to start Jason Bean. You did say that. And I was wrong. And I told you I was going to be really upset if they did. And I was wrong. Jason Austin Ani started the game. Had a fine game. Uh, had the two fumbles. Did not throw an interception. Went 28 of 47, 339 yards, two touchdowns, Colin. How would you evaluate the performance from your boy, Austin Outside of the fumbles, one of them was a stripped strip sack. I would say that he had a pretty good game, and I don't think you can expect much better from him. I mean, he had he could have hit or he hit Jalen Darden in the end zone, drop pass, hit uh Greg White, Greg White in the in the other side of the end zone. It was drop pass. He had every he gave this team every opportunity to win when he needed to, and other players didn't make plays. Obviously, his fumbles happened, but. I mean, he's the quarterback now, and if you can't win when he's having what is probably going to be one of his better nights, then there's going to be a huge issue. That's a good point. That's a good point. I didn't, I didn't think about that. This is probably, I think he was still a little sloppy in his his throws at time and his footwork at. Time. Of course, I, of course. I don't. He definitely wasn't. It, but in terms of the production that he gave you, two yes. touchdowns, three hundred thirty-nine yards. He threw forty-seven times, which we should talk about as well. Um, talk about it. Oh, you just want to go right into it? 40, when oh, was the last time the Mason Fine oh. threw for 47 times? I'm, no, he threw for 47 last year. He threw a lot last year. All I'm saying I'm, is that I'm if you have to have a first-time starter throw 47 times... <laughs> well, what I tell you, I think I told you this when, when we brought it up pre, uh, pre before the show, is that they got down so quickly. So this is kind of, it's a double-edged sword, right? They got down so quickly in that he had to throw. However, they should not have been down that quickly because the offense should have been better from the jump. So it's kind of like, oh, he was put in that situation, but he put himself in the situation, right? I don't think there's throws to Jalen Darden or even, oh, the Jalen Darden one was better. I mean, it was kind of covered, but the Greg White one was kind of tough in, they, in the no, end zone. The, yeah, and no, I don't it wasn't, think it wasn't like, like they a, weren't dimes, right? They weren't dimes. 
the the Greg White one especially because he had to like kind of lay yeah, out for, it. for it. But the the Jalen Darden one, it went through his arms. Yeah. Obviously, he was covered. There was another one too. There was an Austin Agumikin one on the left side, I believe, in the second half, second quarter, second quarter, whatever it was, uh, where he kind of just dropped or it wasn't even like just like fell away from the wall. I don't even know how to describe it. Yeah, like oh. there was the ball and then he ran out of bounds. Yeah, I don't basically. know. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, but Austin Agumikin had five targets, only one catch. I mean, it's kind of tough to live that way. Greg White, four receptions on ten targets. Yeah. Jair Shorter not being there obviously hurt, but at this point again. I'm not comparing who's out. I'm comparing who's on the field because both teams had a lot of injuries at that point. Now, I think Austin was good. I th- I think I-, I echo everything you said. I think he was fine. I am surprised Jason Bean didn't get any run. I'm however, not at all. Ever, however, I do think while Seth Achell does not listen to our podcast, I think he finally hurt us <laughs> and by us i mean the collective logic yeah <laughs> that's funny you're going into conference play yeah you need a starting quarterback we've said it for i don't know how long we said it for a long time in that you know you need one quarterback develop one quarterback give them the reps let's play after the uh first houston baptist game i was like uh i still don't know anything about these quarterbacks um, so I, I, I left it up to him. The SMU game was equally um, of a mess just because they played both and both were not good. And I think he watched both of those and been like, it's impossible to expect both quarterbacks to be at an A plus level when you swap them in and out like that. Yeah. And Austin Ani, while he, w- again, was not perfect, was not even great by any means, he was okay. He was 28 of 47. And I think that. His biggest job, his biggest mission is just to get the ball to Jalen Darden as much as humanly possible. Like, you saw that in the first half, six receptions for 28 yards. Jalen Darden <laughs> is literally, I don't. it doesn't matter how you get him the ball, just find him mm-hmm. and get him the football because he is the offense right now. Yeah. Like, the man had 20 targets. Yeah. Yeah. That's over a third. No, I'm sorry. 20 targets. Out of his 47 attempts. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, and you saw it, like I said. It's almost half. The the six receptions for for 26 yards in the first half. A lot of those were trying to get him in the open field. Yeah. Off of screens or whatever. Just so then he could try to make something happen and nothing. Jalen's longest reception was 17 yards and it was the touchdown that he caught. Like, he's not, uh, they don't need him to be the big play guy. They need him to be the guy that moves the chains. And so this gets into another point um, here. Let me quickly, before we get into that, I thought the running backs were fine. Trey mm-hmm. Sagers, DeAndre Torrey, I thought they had fine games. Uh, DeAndre Torrey was actually the best, the better of the two backs, which was refreshing to see DeAndre kind of get in there and break some tackles and get away. Yeah, the, because yeah, that's the spin, always been our kind of question. In the, and then the 34-yard run. Yeah, that's been our question in that can he kind of get away from guys in a sense, and he was able to do that last last night. Um it's too bad Oscar Ottaway wasn't was wasn't able to play, but I again this is a deep enough running back unit that Tory and Sigurds were able to pick up the slack. Uh, the receivers we already went through them. Simpson, Darden were tremendous. Greg White, Pirtle, Austin Gumikin were all you know they were okay. But, I, I want to see more from all of them. Before we move on, do we do you think that we see Jason being at any point in this season outside of injury? 
Yes. Why? I think there's still peace in the trail's mind that if Asanani goes out and throws two touch two interceptions, goes four of twelve in the first half, halftime he puts Bean in. I think there's a bad. I, I, it would have so to be an epic have, collapse. By you, yes, but this is what you have to ask yourself: is that is there a performance bad enough to where you pull Austin Ani in the first after the first half? Well, I would have like. Thought is after, there a half of football? I would have thought that the two fumbles would have done it. Mm, maybe, especially mm, when they no. happened. Yes, they were big plays. I agree, but I don't. The strip sack, like you said, was kind of the strip sack. Yeah, but like when you, well, I didn't even. It was see a it. handoff. It it was, yeah, it was an RPO handoff, was, and he yeah. just dropped it. Yeah, and after that point, I thought Jason Bean was going to come in because they had gone, I think, three three offensive drives and didn't do anything. So, I, that, if, after that. I was like, okay, Ani's your starter. There's nothing else that can take him out pending something mm. epic. Maybe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I still feel like there's a half bad enough that Austin could play that Latrell could be like, all right, let's give Jason a shot. And this, a lot of this will be decided over practice, I think, in that if Jason continues to work the way he needs to work and improve the way – I know it's cliche, but it's legit. No, you're right, if, if especially you're coach, when there's not a separation. Yeah, if I'm a coach, I need to see what you do on a daily, daily basis. Yep. Like, it's – it's how he not, responds to exactly, not being the starter. Exactly. I need to see what you do in film. I need to see all of that stuff. So I think a lot of that will be decided off the field. Yep. And we won't know that. So that'll be interesting. Um, what was my point before I was going to get to that? Oh, my point. So I came in here last podcast and I was yelling and I was screaming about <laughs> how they only take shots. Yeah. The the offense does, for lack of a better word. And... The game started off that same way. Jalen yep. Darden, deep ball. Greg White, deep ball. Everyone, you get 40-yard bombs. You get 41-yard bombs. That's how the game started off. And I was very worried because they were not complete and the offense looked off. They were open. Somewhat. They were somewhat open. Okay. Greg some, White was open. Greg White was open. Austin Gumikin was open on the left, I believe, second quarter. The Deontay Simpson missed one. He was wide open. It was a bad throw. I mean, the Ani, only one that was covered was the Jalen Darden one. Yes. Ani... I expected him to make a few more of those throws of over 20 yards. And he didn't make as many as I wanted him to make. Now, they were taking shots. So that's that's where I want to start, to start the game. If you notice, as the game wore on pretty quickly, I think like after like the second or third drive, those shots pretty much went away largely. Except for them, they were, they were still, you know, there at times. But it wasn't the sheer amount of, Right, attempts they did it like field. they did it like after they ran the ball three times in a row or something. Yes, like that. the style of offense kind of changed in a sense, and I think it's more so about how Southern Miss was playing them. Now, again, I came on here last time and I was saying, stop taking shots, throw intermediate passes, do this, do that. You know, move the chains. That's what you have to focus on. And I want to give them a little bit of credit because after those first few drives, I think they've got to the point. I think they got to the balance that I want them to be at as mm-hmm. an offense for the rest of the game. Like after the, let's say after the first quarter, I think the rest of the game on, even if they didn't score and even with the calamity of errors, <laughs> the offense got to the point that I think I want them to be at. Mm-hmm. They were not forcing as many balls down the field, even though they were looking for them at times. Jalen Darden got the ball plenty of times in space, sometimes in intermediate routes. The touchdown was a nice throw. You know, they picked the found the pocket in the zone and hit him. That was nice. They ran the ball a good amount of times. DeAndre Torrey had a good game. Five and a half yards per carry for him. 
they ran the ball um, enough, I think, even though they were down. I think this is the balance of on offense that I wanted. And this, that's, that's my, I think that might be my only, no, actually I can't say that, but that's one of my biggest positive takeaways from this game is that the offense, I think, has found a balance that I was worried they wouldn't find. And, Mm -hmm. and maybe it's hard because, you know, Houston Baptist, it's so easy. Why not take shots? Right. Right. Then SMU, you're getting your ass kicked. Just I don't know. Just throw the ball Try down to score. the score. I <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it still it still was not excusable against SMU. But I'm just saying, you know why maybe it happened. This is a Southern Miss team that is equal to you talent wise, and obviously took away the deep balls, and it kind of made them play more patient. It made them move the chains. They were nine of fourteen on third downs in the first half, mm-hmm. and you know why that happened? Because they got into third and manageable. I think I yelled about that on the last podcast too. Yeah, they needed to get in third and manageable, third and two, third and three, third and four. They did that because they ran the ball and they threw short passes and they threw intermediate passes. Um, in the second half, they were two of five on third down, so they ended um, they ended the the game eleven of eighteen or eleven to nineteen, whatever it is. That's perfectly fine. Yeah, that's that's actually pretty good. And as an offense, and I think I said this as well, is you need to take some time off the clock for this defense. You need to control the clock. You need to control the tempo. You need to do everything you wanted to do as an offense. And I think that's my biggest positive takeaway from this offense is that they at least had some balance and they showed some um, discipline in that respect to would, not just force it. I would also like to say that they didn't run – what I, th- I did, they didn't make everything super simple for Ani at first. I mean, I know you brought up uh, last night that you looked like it was just like one read passes, mm-hmm. but as the game wore on, you know, you started to see different types of routes. You know, you had Deontay Simpson on comeback routes. You had, yeah. you know, different out routes for, for Jalen Darden and everything like that. So I think it's important also that they weren't just screens yeah. or, you know, ways to kind of mask Ani's decision-making. And honestly, I mean, we got a question about it last time, but... Only playing Ani uh, kind of gives him uh, a comfort level. Confidence boost as well. Yeah, to where you don't have to, you know, score the big touchdown. You don't have to create as much. You know, you know, this is your job here. This is your game. So don't right. feel like you have to do too much. I was, that was the positive takeaway for this offense. I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that moving forward. So, and I think if they do enough of that, they should on paper have enough playmakers on this offense to put up at least 31 points. Yep. At least against the bad teams that they play. Are we concerned about Trey Siggers at this point? Uh, No, because I still don't think he's at 100%. The question is, will he get to 100%? I think that, that's that, that would be my concern. Um, I think in an ideal world, Oscar, if Oscar Attaway could play, Trey Siggers still doesn't play this week, and you would sit him out for that one more week, and you just try to get him back to 100%. Yeah. Um, he only had 13 carries, and he was out for a lot of snaps, I, I believe. So I, I don't even think he was in there on a lot of passing plays. Um, so hopefully this is this is just another step for him to get back to 100% because yeah. that would be nice. He had some flashes. He had some flashes. He had the, the scoring touchdown, the scoring possession late where he had like three straight runs that broke and broke and broke and scored. So it's like, okay, that's the that's what Tracers we like to see. Let's talk about the defense, Colin. Like favorite. We talked, we raved about, I don't know, raves are a strong word. We hyped them up, I guess, in a sense, in that they kept the off, kept the team in it in the first half. Yep. 
They held Jack Abraham to 16 of 30 passing, 235 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Um, I think he was, Jack Abraham was, uh, I told you on the streams that Jack Abraham's going to get his, and he didn't even really get his. I mean, 16 to 30, 235, two touchdowns. Like, I mean, that's, that's he not. He doesn't a, have that 68 yard pass. Yeah. Like that's no. not the, <laughs> that's not the, that's not the worry I had coming in. I was like, oh, don't let Jack Abraham throw for 250 yards. I never said that. I said, you can't let the run game get going. And you brought it up in the, in the, in the pregame show in that you're in, I was, we were interested in how the secondary was going to guard them. And especially when we found out Keelan Crosby was out and all those linebackers were out, we were interested in how the secondary would play. And I thought they held up somewhat well. You know, the busted coverage led to the long touchdown, but I thought from a pass game perspective, I think they were fine throughout yeah. the game. I, I really didn't have a problem with yeah. them. Um, Mikhail Sanders had the interception. Upton Stout played a lot. Sean Gaddy played a lot. Yeah. Cam Johnson looked fine. Um, Quinn Whitlock played the whole Quinn game. Quinn Whitlock played a ton. Um, Jackson Gibbs played a good amount as well. I think the secondary... We have to give them a little bit of credit because the pass rush for North Texas is still so suspect in that it's it's hard to guard for that long when you don't have a pass rush. I clipped a lot of third downs and I posted them on Twitter, like third and 10, third and 10, third and five. Those are as much on the defensive line and creating pressure and the defensive coordinator as they are on the secondary. Like, that's tough yeah. to guard. Um. So I'm I'm not I'm not too upset about the secondary this game. No, I I liked it. I thought Upton Stout had a great game outside of there was one play I, I can't remember off the top of my head. I liked Deshaun Gaddy at safety. That was interesting. I really liked him there. Um Quentin Winlock didn't get, you know, blown by or anything. He was really good at tackling. Um honestly, Cam Johnson was probably the the worst out of all of them. I want to say but I thought they were he was solid as well. Yeah, I I feel like Cam Johnson with the nickel position that he's in and like the free safety ish type position he's mm-hmm. in. The best thing, so this is kind of what we always want, right? We we don't want Nick Harvey making twelve tackles, right? Right. I feel like it's the same thing here. Is that Cam Johnson just not even if he's not making tackles, it's kind of like. The, the stats don't reflect what he does. If anything, the stats might reflect that he's playing poorly. I right. don't know how to word that. I know I know what you mean. It's yeah. kind of... It's just like... For instance, I, let's go to basketball for a second, let's say. Andre Drummond gets, let's say, two and a half blocks a game, right? Three, yeah. three blocks a game. Yeah. But he also leads the league in fouls because right. he's jumping all the time. Right. Like, stats can be misleading in a lot of ways. And Nick Harvey having 12 tackles, same thing, can be misleading in a lot of ways. Cam Johnson at the free safety slash nickel position, if he's guarding his man well, he's guarding his area well, he shouldn't have to, he won't have a lot of balls thrown his way. And we see that in the NFL with corners. Richard Sherman or whoever doesn't have a lot of balls even thrown their way, so they don't have interceptions. Right. So that's kind of the approach I have with Cam Johnson at this moment. Upton Stout is still learning. That's why he had 12 tackles. Like, he's a freshman. He's going to have the ball thrown I at him. I will say that a lot of his tackles or when I noticed them, like they weren't even his dude. Like he recognized the run. He'd go tackle the running back and mm-hmm. he forced the, what should have been a fumble on yeah. Frank Gore. Yeah. Um, I mean, he was, he was everywhere. He yeah. was flying around. He was, he was for sure. Um, so yeah, the secondary, I believe was the best unit in this game uh, on defense. Yeah. By a pretty wide margin, to be fair. <laughs> um, then let me pull out the old, depth chart i have all the, the old depth chart because I, I i was there we were there when 
they were scratching everybody who yeah. wasn't playing. So it was like, all right, Kevin Wood, scratch. Kyla Powell, scratch. Tyreek Davis, scratch. Uh, Keelan Crosby, scratch. Um, we'll get into this in a little bit, but you know, you had guys like Isaiah Johnson, the freshman running back, listed as a linebacker. At linebacker, changes number. Uh, oh. Yeah, changes its whole number. Kaysen uh, look- Martin's eighty now. <laughs> we didn't even get to that. Kaysen Martin. So we're before the game. We're out up there in the press. We're like, who is eighty throwing passes? Yeah, like it's Will Keen, Amani Gilmore, uh, Austin Ani, Jason Bean, and then a number eighty. And we're like. Who in the world is that? I thought it was like one of the walk-ons, like Cole Johnson or someone. Yeah. Dressed maybe. as a tight end, by the way, like wearing the pads. Yeah, like the, the, the big pads and everything. Yeah. We're like, who is this number 80? Game starts. Colin texts me. It's Casey Martin. <laughs> I was like, I was, was like, no. I look down on the field. I'm like looking for 80, 80, 80. I just see his hair. And I'm like, it's Casey Martin. Martin. What's, what's worse is that. Like he's he played special teams and he was on the front line. Yeah, yeah, on the and kickoff he got, return. He got blown up every single time, and the last time it happened, he gets blown. He just gets just ran over, and he like gets up and just starts like hitting himself in the head. Like he was just like, <laughs> like he was just he couldn't like he couldn't believe that he wasn't built yet for for dudes that are just running straight at you yeah the poor i mean the poor guy to be fair to him has been a quarterback yeah for like he's not five he, years he's like not, you don't prepare to be a, a tight end yeah it's very different if you look at jake roberts if you look at asher albany even jason purtle those guys are thick yeah like there is not yeah you can't just be like, all right well i'm a tight end now because i'm six because i'm six four the poor guy out there <laughs> I can. I didn't even see him hit himself, but it's just such a such a case of Martin do. He's probably getting all hype. Hey, shout out Casey Martin though, man. Again, married. Oh, um, tight end now. I, yeah, is on. Is getting some plight PT now. Getting getting on the field. I wonder if that's a permanent thing or if it was just for this game. I have no clue, but I'm I'm with it, man. Why not? Throw probably, Martin. He probably went up to Seth and was like, "Listen, man, I'm gonna make a difference on the on put me on special teams, teams coach. Yeah, Pull the Rudy. Put me in." Um, but yeah, shout out Case Environment. Um, uh, speaking of special teams, are we gonna like have a whole segment on that? Sure, we can. Uh, okay, we'll talk about defense. it later then. Let's finish we'll defense. Um, so where were we? Secondary was good, like I said. Linebackers. Katie Davis was tremendous. He was great. Katie Davis was very good, and a lot of the run stopping struggles that they had, I do not put on Katie Davis because I think Katie Davis was flying around and i think he was very um he was he was omnipresent colin that's the word for y'all today the sat word word of the day for y'all um he was everywhere that's all i want to say katie davis was fine chris thornton um was not everywhere but um i thought he was at least playable in a lot of ways and i kind of you know, I get, I talked mess about Kyla Powell, just how he was just he didn't fill the the right gaps at times. I thought at least Chris Thornton was like there, yeah. Whereas Kyla Powell was just kind of like running, go to the a gap, <laughs> boom, hit it, blow up the play, and if it goes in not the a gap, then it's probably like a ten yard run. That was last week. This week it's like Chris Thornton was like, all right, all right, and he was there because he's played linebacker for so long. He's been a linebacker, yeah. for a long time. He just, you know, wasn't able to do the things that KD was doing on the field. Um, I don't even, man, so many different players moved around. It's 
47 walk on. He he got some playtime. I don't know. I don't, can't pronounce his can't name. Can't pronounce his name either. Um, a but, lot of just random dudes got playing time at linebacker. But again, players out. People have to step up, and uh, they kind of did. But I think Katie Davis was the difference there. We saw uh, Tayshawn Johnson, true freshman, get playing time, start at defensive end. Um, Caleb Colvin still played, so I don't know why he didn't start. Maybe that's a sign of anything. Asher Frowl also played. That was uh, after the injury. After oh after the Tayshawn injury yeah the Tayshawn Johnson injury okay um Dion Noville I thought Dion Noville despite I don't even know what his stats were do we have his stats I think he had a tackle for loss I don't even I don't even have his stats um I really want to know his stats though because I feel like I should know that home defense um damn he okay no four tackles one tackle for loss one quarterback hit. It's just it's so weird to me when I watch Dion Noville. Maybe I'll be, I'll be able to rewatch this game and watch this closer. But it just feels like every time Dion Noville is like in the backfield half the time, he just the play is just gone, like right off rip. Like it it's like they kind of know he's gonna be really good. Like oh okay, Dion Noville is really good, so either double him or run away from him, even though he's in the middle. I feel like he's always in the backfield. Yeah. Like, he's really, really good. There's just no evidence of him being, being really, really, really good. good. <laughs> and it sucks for him, I feel like. Just, like, either he's doubled or the plays go away from him. Yep. And there's no real in-between, I feel like. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll rewatch and he gets, I don't know, pancaked or something. But I not from what I saw. Not from what I saw. I thought he was fine. Uh, Devontae McRae, 1.5 tackle for loss. Um, the defense line, again, there's only so much you can do in this three-man front. It's on the linebackers largely to create the pressure. We've said it time and time again. I'll say it again. So let's get to the um, special teams, Con. Yay. Well, actually, I know. We'll, we'll answer questions about this. So let's get special teams first, and then we'll go to questions. I okay. Think. Go ahead. Um. Well, we all know what happened. Uh, They pooch kicked it every time, and yeah, the first one basically came an onside kick for yeah. Southern Miss. Uh, you had a muff punt. You had, I mean, it was just awful. It was really bad. Blocked field goal. Blocked field goal. Um, what was interesting to me also, uh, Deion Hare Griffin did not do any kick returns. It was always DeAndre Torrey back there, uh, which I thought was odd. And I saw Deion Hare Griffin on the sideline. Yeah, so he, I know was he, dressed, was, he was dressed. He was dressed. He was dressed. I mean, they. you could say they lost him the game before they had a chance. Yes, I mean seventeen to three. You can because of them. You can like those those plays, the pooch kick that was recovered gave them an easy touchdown. The um, blocked field goal, again that's three points right there. Um, and then the punt cover the punt return yeah, after the defense stops them in the fourth third yeah, quarter end of the third quarter. Yeah, the punt return gaff was just that was a mess too, and that had a chance to I think cut it to. Would one, to, it would have been a three. three three points. Yeah, if they would have scored, I think they were down ten when that happened. Yeah, and then that allowed them to go up uh, seventeen. It was, I, I, I don't know what to say. I don't and know not to, to mention too, Jalen Darden almost muffed another one in the. He bobbled it. Yeah, yeah he, he bobbled, bobbled it. in the end zone. I, I don't know what to say because I, as we kind of, we take special teams for granted until it's bad, and sp- special teams is kind of. Special teams is a portrayal of your depth in a lot of ways because you don't want to have, you know, all of your starters out there. You don't have even like 
probably three or four starters out there. You, you want to have primarily young guys like Deshaun Gaddy last year. That's why Casey Martin was playing on yeah, special teams. Yeah, you want you want guys like that out there to where you're not getting hurt, you're not expending energy. Um, and obviously the depth of this team is not good right now, so it kind of showed. But then you look at Southern Miss, who is equally depleted. Again, equally depleted Southern Miss, and everything's fine. Everything's fine. They got off plenty of field goals. They got off all their extra points. They returned all the kicks. Um, they had no problems in any way, shape, or form with anything North Texas was doing. And it just comes back to the end of the day, just not being prepared, not having everyone prepared top to bottom. And like, again, like I said in my cider, like Seth Luttrell said, you know, it's, uh, it looks like coaching and you know, if it, if it, What's the old saying? You know, if it, if it looks, looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck or whatever it yeah. is. Or something with a bird. I don't know. It's a duck. It's a duck. And so that's what we're putting this game on right now. If you listen, I'm, I'm going to go away from the special team talk for a second. Do you have anything else on there? No, it's okay. okay. Um, If you listen to, what are we in? What are, what minute are we in? 40 something? 41. 41. 40, 40 minutes of this podcast. We've been pretty positive to this point, right? We've been talking about the offense, how we've been seeing pretty positive things from them uh defense has been you know okay they've been they've been all right uh we've been pretty positive up to this point and because at the end of the day i don't think this game was lost with the players even though the players go out there and lost the game this game was lost because of the incompetency that this coaching staff has showed i'm not gonna say that they're incompetent i'm saying that they're showing incompetence on the field Good disclaimer. On Saturdays, again, it's like, it's like if I, I'm not, if I say you do something dumb, I'm not calling you dumb. I'm just saying I did something. You did dumb. something dumb. It's the same thing. Unfortunately, this was a must-win game. <laughs> Unfortunately, so if you're incompetent against a Southern Miss team who has a 36-year-old head coach, interim head coach, who we made fun of on a live stream for looking like he's 12. I'm going to come on here and say you're incompetent. <laughs> and you look at our replies to, and you look at the questions we've gotten today. And a lot of them are asking the same thing in different words. How in the hell is this team so incompetent? That's it. That, that's what everybody in my mentions is asking. That's what everyone on every board is posting. That's what everyone who's asking for Coach Luttrell to be fired is, at, is saying, basically, is how how do you we look so incompetent? Mm-hmm. Your entire offense is healthy. Your defense saves linebackers is pretty much all together. And somehow, some way, despite the recruiting success you've had in 2019 and 2020, you can't find a way to have any depth on this team from top to bottom. And, you, and then... To take it a step further, you cannot have any cohesion on this team. To when someone goes down, someone else is able to get plugged in. There's no uniform. There's no uniform um, success or talent that this team has. There's just so much wrong with how this program is. There's so much that this program is lacking. That it. At the end of the day, I wrote it in my cider, and I'll say it again. Southern Miss just outclassed North Texas. 
and they didn't again i don't i'm not using words there north texas was not overmatched they were not out personneled they were outclassed and that comes from a program standpoint mm-hmm. and i think that is what southern miss is southern miss is what north texas wants to be right they made the bowl games they made they've won the championships they've done it all and north texas is not there at all even though it's to trust fifth season at north texas like we're going to go through these questions and at the end of the day it's all going to come back to yeah well they don't really have an identity they don't they're not disciplined they got ran on by frank gore for 130 yards and albeit uh clint bowen went to a four-man front for a bit and they didn't get any more pressure than they had and there's just nothing this team just feels like they're in a vacuum of nothingness like it's just when you watch this team i don't know how to describe it maybe i'm maybe i'm not being clear when you watch this team compared to Southern Miss, it feels like they have no identity. It feels like they have no swagger about them. And I that's why I wrote my my cider after the SMU game where they lacked confidence. Like, it feels like they have nothing about them. That's the best way I can put it. Has that always been an issue under Seth Luttrell, do you think? I don't... I, I think he's been saved by Mason Fine and that team because... Well, well I bring this up because we, when you think to last year, obviously last year we all know how that went. But the year before that, when when you can't beat UAB, when you can't, you know, have that swagger in any of the bowl games that he's played in, when you can't have that swagger against an FAU team that has every, every bit of swagger that you could possibly yes. have, I feel like in any... Any moment in time when you look at Seth Luttrell's tenure, you can think against games where they're similarly have similar talent on the field, similar coaching, similar styles, and you go into the game thinking we have a chance. And every single one of those games, it looks like they're not even the same team. Yeah, there's, I don't know. It, at the end of the day, it just continues to come back to me. It comes back to the fact that Mason Fine. You know, you had leaders. You had Jalen Guyton, Rico Bussies, Jeffrey Wilson. You had legit Ladarius Hamilton, Kyrie Muhammad for his shortcomings, the, the Gardner and EJ. You had leaders on those teams that were kind of just like... That saved you. Yes. The UTSA game yes. with EJG and Brandon Gardner. If they lost that game, we have a completely different conversation about that season. Yes. Yes. No, we do. And now we're seeing... To, to go to your point, without those players to save you, it comes back on coaching. Your fundamentals, your basics, how your culture is. And despite, I'm not, I'm not going to let go of this. Just North Texas had a majority of their team. Yeah. Southern Miss is the one that's probably missing more players than right. North Texas. They didn't have their top two receivers, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So you're without Tim Jones, you're without all the players that opted out, you're without you're I have a different head coach for God's sakes. And somehow Southern Miss's culture still beat the crap out of North Texas. And you could just tell with the sidelines. You have Southern Miss hype. Like they came into the game thinking they're gonna win the game. And I feel like North Texas After being 0-3 and just getting beat by 42 by Tulane. Yeah. 
they they lost to Louisiana Tech on the last play of the game, basically. After being up almost 20. Yeah, and we watched that game, and we're just like, damn, that is deflating as hell. The ball, the foot, Louisiana Tech's receiver's foot was in by an inch. Mm-hmm. If that, that's how much, that was the difference between winning and losing for Southern Miss. But they got up, they got off the mat, they went to Tulane, they went up by 14 points, and then they got the crap beat out of them. Then they go on the road for the first time all year. And I'm not even talking about the Southern Southern Alabama game to start the season where Jay Hobson got fired. That's hard enough to get up from. So you go Southern Alabama. So you go South Alabama to Louisiana Tech to Tulane where you get your kick teeth kicked in. You go on the road for the first time against a North Texas team that's coming off of a de facto bye week, basically. You lose Tim Jones again. And somehow Southern Miss still puts up 41 points and I'm I'm in here saying the defense wasn't even that bad, right? We like you said we didn't we didn't talk bad about the players. We thought they played. I mean, outside of special teams, but we thought they played the way they needed to play. It was the errors that continued to stack up, stacked up. And Latrell said after the game, you can't. He basically said you can't watch that game and not put it on coaching. That's basically what he said. He said it's on me. It's on coaching, and he is damn right. Like, I know maybe that's coach talk. And, you know, but the thing is, when Grant McCaslin says it, and Grant McCaslin said, this one's on me. We've heard him say that a bunch of times. Yep. The difference is, the next game, we see a tangible difference. Right. Something is done about it. Something is legitimately done. And I'm not comparing, that's apples to oranges in a way, basketball to football, because you're playing less guys. But regardless, that's the difference here. And that's why Grant McCaslin has a ring accountability there's accountability and there's action mm-hmm. and that's what I, that's what North Texas feels like they're not getting at this moment like yeah talk 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 that's what Latrell has been doing the entire offseason his entire time is that you know we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna do this and we see very little action mm-hmm. and to take a step further we see very little impact in the culture and it showed against Southern Miss. Yep. And so now um, now we'll get into y'all's questions, but oh, we do have one more thing actually. Well, actually, this is a question, I think. I'm sorry, y'all have a lot of questions. Thank you all for y'all's questions. Should we do a panic meter? Oh, yes. Yes, I'm sorry. Good. Good catch. Alright, you go first while I look for this question. Uh, I'm gonna go with a uh, 10 being season over, 1 being they're winning a bowl game. Or whatever conference championship. What? Okay, yeah, there you go. There yeah. you go, Colin. Uh, sorry. Uh I was at a five last week. Yes, I was at a four. You were at a four. I might be up to a seven. Because I have not been shown that there's first of all, there's not a lot of top end talent on this team, especially when, you know, they're wiped out. And there's nothing that's shown me that they can replace that talent and plug in dudes like you said. And that, that like you said, that comes back to coaching. So until I see that, we're getting up there to a ten soon. <laughs> oh man. I've been I've been You said this is a must win, so you are you yeah, at ten already? I've been going between a seven and eight. Uh I think I'm gonna go with an eight. Wow. I'm gonna go with an eight. I'm jumping from a four to an eight. I'm doubling it up. <laughs> um Explain. Here's the re- here's why okay, well here's why I was at a seven. For, for a bit and okay. why I was kind of slow because I think everybody knows why I was at an eight I'm make this was a must win game for me 
Like you had yeah. to win this game. Yeah. This this Southern Miss team was is not good. All right, they're not. The only reason I'm I has flirted with a seven is because Middle Tennessee and UTEP come in two weeks, or they play them on the road at rather. But Middle Tennessee and UTEP after Charlotte, when Charlotte's better than Southern Miss, that's for damn sure. So buckle up for that one. Unless if North Texas, now I'm gonna start yelling. I can't. I'm not gonna start yelling now. All I'm saying, I'll say this politely: <laughs> North Texas better get it together for Charlotte because if not, that game's an apogee. There will be nobody there besides the band and the cheerleaders by the second half if they don't get it together. Charlotte's not going to come in here and take that game lightly. And it's on ESPNU, so my parents can watch it. So my parents can watch it. (laughs) It's going to be on national TV for y'all. So unless y'all want to get embarrassed on national TV, (laughs) something needs to happen. After that game, though, you have Middle Tennessee and you have UTEP, right? We hope they can win those games. Middle Tennessee fought Western Kentucky hard, though, so I'm not going to rule that one out. And UTEP, you know, UTEP's, UTEP's been utep in a different way. In a different way. <laughs> UTEP's, are they still 2-1? Who did they look. play, like, later. SFA? They beat Stephen F. Austin. They lost to Texas, and they beat Evelyn Christian. And then they beat Louisiana Monroe two weeks ago, and they had a bye this week. Yeah. So, so anyways, three and one? they're three and one. <laughs> wow. Then you end the season with Louisiana Tech, UAB, Rice, UTSA. We don't talk about the Louisiana Tech, UAB games. Holy hell. Um, but Rice, UTSA. All I'm saying is they have four easy-ish games left. If you win those four, you go five and five. I think you're trying to be too hopeful. Hey, that is why I'm not at higher. That's why I'm. I flirted with a seven, okay? But why are the, but now, you have to think but the you reason to think, why I'm at an eight. Okay, there you go. Sorry. The reason why I'm at an eight because I think Southern Miss is on the exact same level as Middle Tennessee. UTEP is probably a little bit lower, but they're not much lower. Uh Rice might not even be playing football. Who the hell knows what's happening with Rice? Uh and UTSA, I think, is better than all of those teams that I just named. I think UTSA is on the same level as Charlotte, and they played them last week of the season on the road. So, A, they could have nothing to play for. B, UTSA could have their quarterbacks back. Frank Harris and uh, Josh Atkins are both injured at the moment. Um, And UTSA, I've watched them a good amount of times. They're not not this awful team. I think they're probably better this year than they were, definitely than they were last year. Two years ago, it's kind of a toss-up, but... Like they have Sincere McCormick, they have uh, Haynes at defensive tackle, they have um, you know, Rashad Wisdom at the back end. They have some players. So I'm saying those four games are the only hope that I have in this season. Um. However, Southern Miss I think is on the same level as all of them, and I needed to see North Texas win for me to have hope. And my hope is con- starting to dwindle. I'm not sure how much Charlotte is going to help that. I think they need to at least put up a fight against Charlotte. But I don't know. You always talk about you always talk about it's how they lose. You kind of bring that up in a lot of situations in that like, oh, we need to see, you know, how they lose, you know. And while I agree with you, I think this was kind of a perfect point for you to make is that you can't lose the Southern Miss like that. Yeah. Like, just looking incompetent. 
I'm going to keep saying that word because that's how it felt. <laughs> that's just how it felt the entire game. It's just like, what is happening? So, yeah. So, that's why I'm at an eight right now. So, let's get to the questions. You, I'm sorry. Did you have something else? I, cut you I don't remember what it was. It's right, okay. I'm sorry. Very sorry. No, that. it wasn't anything important probably. All right. We'll just assume that. All right. All right. <laughs> um, where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? All right. This is where I want to start. This is kind of a big topic. Too. Are these that, questions or these are yeah the questions. Okay, these are questions. This is kind of our last. Sorry, I kicked you. Um, <laughs> these are our last. This is our last. I think big topic. I think the rest of these questions will be easier to answer. But this, I'm gonna start with the big fish. Go down from there. Um, Coach Wally Rigg. One of his questions was: So does Latrell get a gimme season essentially? Um, then the second question was Mason Fine for QB's coach next season. I'm super down for Mason Fine QB's coach next season. Uh, to answer your first question, does he give me get, does he get a gimme season? We've talked about this a lot of times on the podcast and how um, I'll let you talk first. I'll let you answer this first. But basically, we talked a lot about how this year was kind of a gap year. Um, Colin, why are you shaking your head now? It is absolutely not a gimme season anymore because the things that are happening are not because of the circumstances that this season has given us. It is not, they are not losing because they have, tw- they, they are on the same playing field. We talked about this all podcast. Southern Miss had 20 players out. North Texas had 20 players out. You know, everybody is facing the same issues and they have no excuses where North Texas does. And coming off of last season and seeing flaws of years past before that, you got to look at Seth and be like, why are we having these issues? Because all it is is it's just amplified. You don't you no longer have the star players and the top end talent to mask that, those issues. And last year we talked about there's no foundation. The foundation's here now, and they're not ready. Like like you have the Upton Stouts, you have the Deshaun Gaddies, you have a pretty good offensive line somehow. You have the, we didn't even talk about them. I'm sorry. Shout out the offensive yeah, line. yeah offensive line. Y'all have been pretty damn good. Yeah, like really good. And those were the things that we were worried about. And you're still losing games and you're losing them worse than before. And if you can't beat teams that are average at best with a, with a team that you have an NFL receiver, supposedly in Jalen Darden, you have a Jair shorter and you, he only gets two catches against SMU. Like there's an issue there. And I think that you got to look at Seth and be like, man, if you don't start turning something around, it doesn't have to be wins. But if you don't make this team look different on the field, man, I don't know if he's here after next season. We'll we'll get to that in a second. But you 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 hit on a lot of the points in that we came in saying it was a gap year. We came in saying that, but we it's not an excuse to go zero and twelve. Like let like in theory, like right, like we said that we said this in we we fought this in the uh, after like November of last year probably we were saying about oh you know next year will be a gap year they're gonna have to reset. You can't just go. You can't just be awful, right? It's not right. an excuse to be awful. If if I give if I give you an inch, you can't take a mile. Like it's that type of thing. Like we predicted five and six. Or I predicted five six. You predicted six and five. I think we both still would have been happy. Like you know, with a five and six season or a five and five season now at this point in that if they just beat the bad teams, you're okay. We're not asking you to beat. We're not even asking you to beat top 100 teams in the FBS. Think about that. Yeah. None of the teams that I named here, Southern Miss at this moment, I don't believe is a top 100 team in FBS. Um, 
Where's the rest of the schedule? Middle Tennessee, UTEP, Rice, UTSA. I don't believe any of those teams are top 100 in the FBS out of 128 teams. Those are the teams we're asking you to beat. Yep. And that is the minimum for me for this team. They've already failed one test in Southern Miss. In that respect, I I feel like I feel like maybe maybe we were too vague in saying this was a gap year, quote unquote. The gap year means that you're not competing for a championship. Exactly. It doesn't mean you suck. Right. It means that you're just not competing for a championship because you're coming off nine back to back nine win seasons and you had a fall off season with four wins, which felt like it should have been the outlier. And then you go into a gap year where we're saying, okay, if you win four games this time, you if you go four and six or four and seven this time, it's not as bad. You just can't look awful. Right now, they lost to Southern Miss, and like I said before, I'm not sure there's many other wins on this schedule at this moment. That's my concern. That's what a gap year means. So, I'm done with the gap year talk. <laughs> because, I don't. again, it, like you said, it comes back to coaching at the end of the day. Everyone's on the same playing field. Um, Southern Miss is just a tougher team. And I go back to, I've been watching a decent, a good amount of Kansas State. I've probably watched almost every Kansas State game, except for this last one against Texas Tech. Kansas State beat Oklahoma without like eight starters. I think, no, it was 11 total starters on both on both ends. They were playing, same thing. They were playing receivers at corner. They were just doing, they were shuffling guys in and out. They beat Oklahoma. I believe it was in Oklahoma too. I'm pretty sure it was. Kansas State, every time I watch them, regardless of who their coach is, because they had that um, Snyder coach for a long time, and now they have a new coach, and regardless of who the quarterback is, regardless of anything, it feels like they are the same team every single year. In a good way. Yeah, in a good way. And uh, obviously, they're not competing for championships or playoff bursts every year, which you know I'm sure maybe Kansas State will nitpick about that. But at the end of the day, Kansas State feels like they're always this team that is just there they're solid they're there they're top four in, in the big 12 seemingly every year like they're always there they're gonna beat oklahoma sometimes they're gonna beat texas a lot of times they're gonna play on play at a high level consistently and even after they lost to arkansas state in a bad way and arkansas state was also down a lot of players due to covid tracing so it's like everybody here is on the same level everybody's having to play better than what maybe they have on the field and north texas hasn't done that yet so that's that's my that's just where that's that's what that's what really gets me going, Colin. <laughs> that's what it riles you up. That's what it riles me up is that we've seen all these other teams in the country outperform expectations. And not just against teams that are the same level on Kansas State beating Oklahoma is not the same talent level. Not like that's but without even getting into the COVID tracing elimination uh, absences that they had. Yep. So that's all I'm waiting for right now is for North Texas to just show me that. Maybe it'll be next week, but this this loss is, is bad. Okay. Um, the other questions we have here. He had a second part of his question, no? The Mason. It was Mason Fine. Oh, okay. Coach yeah, yeah, you already answered that. Um, we'll answer another Big Fish topic. Uh, how much of a leash, leash does Latrell have? I think I, I already talked about that in my first – to the first question – He's on his leash, and it's getting shorter every time he loses. Yeah, but what does that mean? Can we get a time frame from you? See, I I don't know buyouts and stuff. Okay. So I don't I I can sit here and be like, yeah, he's gone next season, but that's I don't know how much that that's okay. Costs. If we eliminate money, how much of a leash does he have? 
personally, I'd be like, if you don't, if he doesn't get, if he doesn't beat those bad teams you named off earlier, like, what does he have to go this year? Two and eight? <sighs> no, you gotta, you gotta get four wins. No, I'm saying, what's the, what's the, what's the most like? If he goes three, if he gets three wins, is he fired? No. If he gets two, two wins, wins, okay, two maybe. Wins. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. Um, that's if you eliminate money. Yeah, he's not getting fired after this year. Basically, they just they obviously had an extension um, signed like early July to extend him through the 2023 season. Still making almost two million dollars. Um, by far the most, I believe he's the highest paid head coach in Conference USA. Um, for reference, Jay Hobson, who was let go from Southern Miss, he was getting paid five hundred grand a year, and then. Yeah, he was getting paid five hundred grand a year, uh, without incentives. I think that bumped him up to a, cu- a couple hundred thousand more, but that's a lot easier to swallow. And his contract ended in twenty twenty one, so next year. So you only had to bite the bullet for one more season. And how buyouts work is with, I I think it, it ranges. It's in your it's it's contract to contract. Obviously, it's not uniform, but you have a buyout clause to where you get paid. The coach gets paid a certain amount of what was left of the contract yeah Yeah, percentage left of the contract so i don't know what Seth's buyout is exactly yeah but all i'm saying is you compare two million dollars to five hundred thousand dollars and the two hundred and the two million dollars has goes to 2023 whereas hobson's went through 2021 like in a year when you're not making money as an athletic department exactly exactly that's a big 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 difference so this year is not happening next year next year's leash is interesting because I still think he's going to get a lot of the benefit of the doubt if they just win six games. If they win six games, I think he survives through 2021. 2022 year is where I think it happens. So I'm sorry for everyone saying that or wanting him fired. Me personally, and I think uh, other people have agreed uh, a set of the same sentiment, is that it's not happening this year. Next year, maybe if all goes wrong. But really, I'm looking at the 2022 season. <laughs> Because when you have one year left on that contract, it's a lot easier. Now, uh, thank you for your question, GMG92. Jeff Withers asked, uh, why do we have the same running play 20 times? Um, we'll start with that one. I feel like they did run a lot up the middle, and then they run that same pulling action that they run. It's like they have two real run plays. So I understand <laughs> where Jeff's coming from. Uh, I don't want to compare to NFL, so I won't. So I'll go compare to college. If... if, if you just watch basically any other college team. I feel like there's a little more variance in the run game. And I wish North Texas had a little more variance as well. Yeah, there's. I feel like every team has a a sort of uncertainty about them. Like, you don't know what they're going to do. Whereas North Texas is like, yeah, they're going to run this way here. And they're going to pass this way here. And it's that way every time. Like, you, there's nothing yeah. ever surprising, I feel like. Yeah. And when it is surprising, it's dumb. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jeff's second question is Latrell's favorite route a go route? Uh, obviously, yes. Well, well, last year it would have been screen, but <laughs> uh, yes, it is definitely uh, a go well, route. I right now, I think when you have those receivers, it's fine. But like you said, you can't overuse it. Yeah, so that's that's what that's that's a funny question. Though. I'm I'm really glad that our audience is starting to joke with us a little bit more. I know it's like a somewhat serious question in that. Has, I understand the concern of that, but it's funny how they're starting. We're starting to phrase questions. Uh, why do we believe three three five is the answer and not put a four down lineman or put down put a four down lineman? Um, this was asked by a lot of people. 
Uh, NTSN also asked it. Uh, Mean Green Dude also asked it. Uh, and I believe that's it. They flirted with the four down lineman at times. Um, at the end of the day, I still think it relies on the linebackers. So if they have a four down lineman, you think about it. It's Dayton LeBlanc, Deion Oville, whoever on one side, and Devontae McCray on the other side. Still doesn't sound like, you know, that elite of a defense line. However, it does give Devontae McCray probably more space to work. I, I just don't know. I, I don't I don't see that as being the biggest problem. However and they did run it throughout the second half last last night, so I'm not I'm not gonna come on here and just be like, you know, that's what they have to do. I think there's a lot of problems schematically that they have to fix. Um but at the end of the day Honestly, man, I, I can't tell you what to fix with this defense schematically. I can't. Yeah. For, I feel like four down linemen is just kind of a bailout thing just be like oh well let's 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 put a fourth guy there if you run a four two five i feel like it's not that much better however with the linebackers that they had out and if those linebackers continue to be out i'm cool with the four two five they went to a four two five last night and i'm kind of cool with that because of the short of the limitations put they in have perspective in the southern miss is the same thing yeah they ran three two five as well well they they flirt with the four as well but yeah it, it's it's just a I don't know. It's game by game, really. Texas runs a three three five, and it got shredded. So. Yeah, but that's Texas. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. I I am on board with the three three five, just kind of being not good against the run. That's what I'm on. Sure. Board. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. Thank you for your questions, Jeff. Uh, Taylor asked, "Is this the finally the end of the QB debacle?" We kind of answered that. He said, "Hashtag Ani up." So that's a shout Ani out to up. your, shout your out game. Bots. Um, I uh, thought it was over after those two fumbles. I I, will, I think it's over. Yeah. I think it's over. However, I can see a situation to where being pending at four time. four for twelve with two picks. Yes, that's what I said exactly. Okay. Um. Okay, we answered their discipline question. NTSN. Uh, do you think a true OC is needed next year? No, because what does it show us? They had an OC in Graham Harrell. They had an OC in Bodie Reader. They now have Seth. They've gone through every single possible way. It's always been the same issues. When you look back, it's always been, can they get that one play to do whatever? No. And I think that OC or not, you're going to see the same mistakes Unless the top starts to change, because it all starts I think with the top. It's, I think it starts with the trail too. So that's why I don't think they will, and I don't know if they need to. I don't think they need to. It's not going to make a difference because I think unlike when Graham Harrell was here and Graham Harrell was calling the plays, and this was Graham Harrell's offense. Anybody who's brought in as an offensive coordinator, I still think it's going to be Latrell's offense. Well, like and, it's going to be different. And to your point there too is Seth admitted when Graham Harrell was OC that he'd call plays in certain situations. Yes, and a lot of those were those stupid third and one runs or fourth and one runs that we all hated. Yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, and I I think even if an offensive coordinator is brought in, it's going to be Latrell calling the plays. It's going to be Latrell's offense and. Uh, yeah, I don't see, I don't see that, I don't see that changing. So I don't see him bringing in an offensive coordinator at that point. I think I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Um, thank you for your questions, NTSN. Uh, Coach Rodriguez, we answered that one. Justin Brown asked, uh, when will the offense use more tight end plays because UNT has some dynamic tight ends? Um, okay, yeah, that's the first one. Do you think they're using tight ends enough? Jason Prudel had three catches. One was the screen, was it not? I don't. It doesn't matter. He, he caught the ball. 
<laughs> three catches for twenty four yards. Long was nine. I don't. I don't know how you want him to use. I. I. Well. I think. Well, okay, so they they have like Jake Roberts and stuff as like the H back type stuff where they have him in like the back. Asher Alberting had a catch. Asher Alberting had a catch. I don't. I don't. I. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want him to have twenty targets? Like no, no, no. But it, we have been preached about you know personnel and that Jason Pertle would. And other guys would be involved in the offense. Jason Pirtle is a step above the rest of the tight ends. He has the experience, and he's not he's amazing. Not first team all conference. He's not first team all conference. Damn, that's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, all I'm saying is I, that they're being used as much as they need to I'm be saying. used. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I, I just think that at the end of the day, it's going to come down to Jalen Darden and Deontay Simpson, yeah. and if Jair Short is healthy, and Jair, Jair Shorter. Shorter, Austin Gumbikin. Like at the end of the day, those are the guys that are going to have to make the plays. The tight ends are used. But they're used in the run game a lot more, we've seen. And I don't think that they trust them as much as the other receivers on the team. Um, is that all the questions? Uh, CMCM Forever asked if you think we beat UTSA. Uh, CMCM, they don't play UTSA till November 28th. They won't win. There you go. There's your answer. Oh, my God. Look. <laughs> Wally, had Wally Rigg replied and said the, U- U- the UTSA on its third string quarterback yes I hope he can guys UTSA they don't play UTSA for two months listen man who knows what's going to happen in two months we know what's going to happen no we don't know what's going to happen <laughs> guys 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 as pessimistic as we can be at times on this podcast well, I just told let's them, not start I just, predicting I the UTSA game guys I just told them they were you, you also said they were probably going to lose Yes, I did, but I didn't predict it. I just said, kind of I said it's not going to be easy. Okay? No, you said that UTSA is better than every team that they play. All right, here we go. Another question. <laughs> Another question. At Fuzz, budget, fuzz Budgets. What an, what an at? Is there some rule now? First of all, I love all the questions we get now. Is there some rule now where outside zone runs are illegal? <laughs> are we going to find secret journals someday that Latrell filled with his love for the A-gap? <laughs> Yo, that's hilarious. Give me your number. You're going to be on the podcast next time. <laughs> that is hilarious. Uh, yeah, they ran it down the A-gap a lot. They ran it down the A-gap a lot. A lot, a lot. Think on that f- that fourth and whatever what? where they, they didn't get it. They did it four times in a row. I don't know if it was four. Was it four? It was four times in a row. Okay, that's you, Spain. I don't, I don't know. But yeah, they definitely did third and fourth downs. They definitely ran it up the middle there. Especially with Taj Sykes there, who we said was one of the Southern Miss's best players at defense tackle. Just didn't feel like a good matchup there. But what do I know? What did to Seth? But what do I know? Secret journal that Latrell filled with his love for the... <laughs> <laughs> That's what is hilarious. The is this? That is hilarious. Yo, I love all of y'all. Thank you all for your questions. Oh, we just got another one. Real time. Real time question. Here we go. Here we go. I wander the world. This is here. Speaking up. Okay, here we go. Don't we think that the head coach, offensive coordinator, and QB coach is too, is too too many hats? Hire a damn QB coach. Hire Mason for the season. They have a QB coach. Who? It's uh Quinn. Oh my God! It's not Quinn. It's not Quinn. Do everybody listening? Do not listen to what Colin just said. Well, he's the it's de not facto. Quinn. No, he's not. Seth the Trail said in a press conference. He said, "I'll be coaching the quarterbacks, but Quinn will also be there." Basically, he basically said, "Quinn will be there." But I'm coaching. Oh, I'm sorry. Misinformed. I am. It's definitely too many hats for everybody wondering. However, the man's getting paid $2 million. 
Might need to throw another hat on there. We need more hats for $2 million. More hats. No, we don't need more hats. But I think, I mean, at the end of the day, yes, it sucks not having a quarterback's coach, but I mean, I don't hear any excuses. I don't. I don't want the Tate Wallace thing to be used as an excuse. Don't need anything used as an excuse. Wear the hats. Make the hats look good. <laughs> what kind of hats does Seth wear? And let's play football. Don't think I've ever seen Seth wear a hat. Imagine Seth I haven't wearing, either. Imagine Seth wearing like a snapback. I will not do that. You think he did in like 2008? He's probably like 12 you think he, years ago. You he's think probably he, 30 he years old. He wanders around the athletic center with a with a snapback on like a UNT. Oh my God. Look, I worry about Latrell about a lot of things. I don't worry about him wearing a snapback. I maybe, just weird though. I've never seen him wear a hat though. I, we, we can always see his hair. For he's better proud or for of worse. It. Yeah, he should be. You know, he's got good hair. No, I think he has pretty good hair. I I mean, should we have like a should we have like a beard meter? Like, when does Seth start growing out his beard again? The thing is, yeah, no, we definitely need a beard beard meter because I mean, how many more losses will it take for that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. for that beard to grow out? Where he wakes up in the morning and he goes, "Not today." It's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be not only losses, but as soon as it hits like fifty degrees, man's not shaving his beard. He's not at all. Um. I think that's all we had for y'all. Wow. What a what a podcast. Let me make sure we don't have another question here before I let us go. All right. No, we're good. All right, Colin. I think we've done it all. I said it wasn't going to be that long a podcast, but what is it? Like hour 20? Hour 15. Hour 17. 15. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. All right, everybody. Thank you all for listening and joining us on this Sunday morning podcast. Um, subscribe to Mingering 24-7. Dot com. That's where we post all of our content. That's where you get all of the inside information um, on our boards, all that good stuff. Um, follow Colin on Twitter at CJH Mitchell. Follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore. At Green 24-7 is our main Twitter, so check that out. Uh, tell your friends about this podcast. You know, that'll help us a lot. Send it to them. Just be like, wow, these guys really do a great podcast on North Texas. It's like the only podcast on North Texas, or it's one of the only podcasts on North Texas. Uh, shout out to everybody. Um, how do I end it, Colin? Well, you say uh for Colin. Oh, follow us oh, on SoundCloud sorry. at Bruni's Breakdown sorry. Podcast. Follow, subscribe to us on Apple. Leave us a five star rating and review, please and thank you, everybody out there. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear your masks, and we will talk to y'all later. <laughs>